full disclosure, I am a huge fan of the product that this week's guests create. And it was my absolute pleasure to speak to Alex Wright and Jack Scott, founders of Dash Water. Now, I admired this brand so much, not only because it's got me off Diet Coke, but also it's a simple but beautiful brand. It's a brand that is entrepreneurial and creative. And at the heart of all of it, it does good and takes care of wonky fruit and veg. And talking to Alex and Jack, I could just literally feel this energy about driving change in their industry with shocking statistics coming out throughout the podcast. This is definitely a conversation to be enjoyed, hopefully sitting in the sunshine somewhere with an icy glass of dash water. So I hope you drink it all up, excuse the pun, and enjoy. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not On The High Street for my kitchen table and since then I've gone on to launch Holly & Co. I'm the UK ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favourite small businesses, entrepreneurs and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Hi, Alex. Hello, Jack. Lovely to meet you both. I feel like I'm meeting friends, although we've never actually met. You are both the incredible founders of Dash. Now, for anyone listening here, you might know I'm already a fan of these gentlemen and what they've created. So welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having us on, Holly. You're very welcome. I mean, we've already started talking about their new flavour, the lime flavour coming out. And Harry and I are, we already have professed, I don't know if this is true or not, that we're your number one biggest fans. But (laughs) Harry and I like to think that. But before we get into all of that and why I wanted to talk to you today, I'd love to go back to sort of the beginning of your story, Um, because you're relatively a new company. You're six years old, if that's right. And, And so I'd love to get back to you know, the entrepreneurial days are not as far off as Johnny Bowden's, which was about 40 years ago. I think that's right. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that. So you can almost still feel those um, startup days. So I was wondering if we could start with you, Jack, because you grew up in Shropshire. Is that right? Tell me what it was like growing up on a farm. And am I right in thinking that you witnessed life on the family farm as part of sort of the idea behind Dash? Yeah, thanks, Holly. It's um, a real pleasure being on on today. Yeah, so I come from a, an arable, tra- traditional arable farm in, in Shropshire. And I think growing up on a farm, that's where I really uh, fell in love with, with food and drink. I think being around the, the crops from an early age definitely sort of really excited me. And then at the end of many summer holidays, me and my brothers would, would help my dad out. And it was here that I saw that there was a real issue with food waste. Mm. Um, So we sell our potatoes to McCain's. And when I was on the the grading line, I saw a lot of small potatoes, a lot of potatoes that had blemishes on were going to waste. And that, when I asked dad, was due to McCain's only wanting certain size potatoes Mm. to make their chips. So that's one of the, the, the founding ideas of Dash is that we use fruit that others say no to. So I think with Alex and I both having that farming background, that was a lot of inspiration for the Dash brand that you you see today. And Alex, so were you picking similarly potatoes? I know you studied economics and you always had an interest in business and you're a foodie at heart. But where's your story begin? Yeah, I, I grew up in, uh, in West Sussex, uh, surrounded by rolling hills, the South Downs, beautiful fields around dairy farms and much in the same way the thing that i saw from an early age was uh, the price of milk that was sold to the supermarkets for below a fair 
market price uh, because farmers would have to use that milk supply every single day and the supermarkets would just try and get lower and lower and lower in price. Exactly, yes. Then uh, I went to university, studied economics, um, and uh, Jack and I met whilst uh, working in the uh, soft drinks industry. And it's here that we were looking up and down beverage chillers across the country and just saw that they were packed full of sugary and artificially filled ingredients. Mm. And that's when we had our light bulb moments, which was in the UK and across the Western world, a third of this fruit and veg goes to waste. Mm -hmm. So why don't we buy that from farmers, infuse it into spring water to create a great tasting drink that doesn't have any of the sugar or sweetener. Yeah. So a very simple idea from where it all became. I mean, when I look at the brands that I've interviewed here or the founders from the brands, you know, potentially the best are just the simplest. You know, if I think of Leon, you know, they were stuffing their faces full of McDonald's and everything on the road. And they were like, how come a burger can't be better for you? Do you know what I mean? Like the simplicity, I think, that we always think it's that, well, not in the high street, actually. People used to say, oh, you just took a load of small businesses and put them on a marketplace. So I was like, yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, it's harder, isn't it? It's far, the, the word of simple ideas is actually harder to execute. And we're going to talk about your brand values and things later on. But do you think that that has helped you as founders? The fact it is, it's a simple idea. Yeah, I, I really do. To go back to one of the, the first moments, Alex and I would spend our weekends chopping up fruit and infusing it into water then carbonating it with a soda stream, cooling it right down, and then getting people to try that in the parks. And what people were saying was, this is really delicious. It's hydrating and it is something that, you know, I would buy. So Dash is super simple. It's just water, bubbles and wonky fruit. And we wanted to create a brand and a uh, a product that people really understood. I think if you look at uh, an ingredients list of a traditional soft drink, which is either full of artificial sweeteners or sugar, and I hope that what we've done with Dash is create a product that both tastes amazing, but mm. doesn't have any of um, those nasty ingredients. So I think we are lucky that we've got a very simple proposition that's really helped us focus as a brand yeah. moving forward. And I, I'd also say, Alex, it's like focusing the mind, helping focus on the focus, isn't it? When you have a simple idea, you know, it helps you say yes and no to things. That's what I always like to think. It's what you can say no to as much as what you can say yes to. 100%, 100%. And um, yes, we'll, we'll go through more about our, our values in, in a minute. But I think with with the way that we set up Dash, it was to make sure that we could nail three things and the first thing was just making sure that the product looked great on shelf. Does it look beautiful? Are consumers going to want to pick it up off shelf for the first time because it looks fantastic? And then that second thing is once they've bought it, is it going to taste delicious? Is a consumer going to want to repeat purchase it on taste alone? And then the third thing is, is the brand going to stand for something for a consumer? So is a, is a consumer going to have an affinity for the product because it stands mm. for something? So with Dash, uh, B Corp, infusing wonky fruits, also we're a carbon neutral brand as well. Is a consumer going to have that connection? So that those three things were very simple to break down, but super important for everything that we yeah. did in the creation. And actually quite hard to pull off as well. That's just that little... Uh, or unless you're going to say that it's just completely easy, which then I would love to know your <laughs> tricks. Um, let's go into the the sort of beginning. As I said, you're six years old. And so from the very early days, let's break this out. How did you come up with the name? Because as you said, you used to go and get these vats and take them to parks and things like that. I just want to hear about the marigold moments here. Um, I think with the name... First off, we're really lucky with the, the name that we've landed on. I think that it's short, it's memorable, and it's descriptive. So there's a dash of flavor when you have your, your drink. Um, so 
when the naming process was quite simple and it's something that we're really proud of doing it wasn't done by an agency yeah it was it was done by the the founding team and that was creating a list of names and one of the the columns of names was descriptive and dash fell within that and when we saw it it took a t- couple of goes to look down the list to land on it but when we landed on it we were like wow this is it you said about these early moments of research and i'm um, obviously we're talking about dash today but i think there's an importance isn't there about trying things out a lot of us you know we we go for the name and we get the business cards printed up and things and we tell our family and we're super excited and and then we need to get to the point where we might not have budgets for big market research, but asking people questions is so important. And I think you did a bit of a Richard Reed and the sort of innocent, didn't you? You went out there with your barrel. Well, it's not really barrels. Soda Stream, I think it was, was it? In London parks. Exactly. Exactly. We we would... People thought we were absolutely mad doing this. <laughs> yeah. We, we would have a little trestle table. Yeah. And we would have a vat of water delicious spring water and we would pop it on a table we would have a chopping board with whatever fruit and veg we were looking to infuse and a soda stream and we would chop up the fruit and veg let it rest in the spring water for about six to eight hours soda stream it and then we would say to passers-by would you like to try some of this because what we're trying to achieve at dash is to get you off your sugar in artificially filled drinks the interesting moment for us, Holly, was at the time on the market, there were two unique things about Dash. The first was the product didn't have any sugar or sweetener. Mm -hmm. And the second thing was that we infused wonky fruit and veg that's rejected by the supermarkets. So both of those two things were unique. And when we sampled in parks over a three-month period, we would have the same people coming back two or three weeks later And the interesting thing for us was, oh, you're the guys that infuse wonky fruit and veg rather than, oh, you're the guys that create a drink without any sugar or sweetener. So that was the the light bulb moment for us in terms of the brand positioning was that people really did care about this issue of food waste, even though it wasn't talked about in the press at all. Today it is, and that's brilliant. But that was a a great moment for us to be more confident about putting our purpose front and centre. You're right, by the way, because we are, you know, time runs so quickly, doesn't it? So now it feels, okay. we do talk about waste and things. Six years ago, did we as much? You know, it was maybe some of the um, fruit and veg boxes that maybe told it a little bit of Abel and Cole or the Riverfords, you know, but they were coming from the farm. So they absolutely knew what you were talking about. So I just, I love that idea. And I love for anyone listening that it's just those anecdotes that are coming back that almost created a, I'm looking at a bottle right now, a, a can right now, and it says water bubbles, wonky fruit. And potentially that last statement wouldn't have been wouldn't have had the same hierarchy if the customers hadn't told you. So it, it's great to get that feedback. Did it give you the confidence to push ahead? Because were you always going to do something on your own? I mean, how did you guys meet? And were you always going to run your own businesses? Or did you were you going to be astronauts or something? I was very inquisitive to food and drink brands. I remember very early on going to the supermarket, being um, even pushed around by my mum in, in the trolley and having, looking around at all of the the amazing brands and wondering, you know, how, you know, those were created. And with the farming background, I think it was quite clear from an early age that I wanted to go into food and drink, but didn't mm-hmm. want to go down the traditional farming route. And that's where I started speaking to people and my first uh, job was in in food and drink and and learnt from the bottom up it was rucksack on selling drinks up and down the street in london and that's where you know I had an opportunity to meet alex and we were we were both obsessed with new trends mm. especially in drinks and we would often bring bottles of water that we'd be infused fruit into you know the night night before um so we were we were keen on 
on trends. And I think that shared love for food and drink meant that we were able to start scheming. <laughs> How would you know? A lot, a lot of people will think, oh, well, maybe one of you could have done it on your own. You know, what's and I've been in founder relationships, my two businesses, I've been part of a founder team. Tell me about that sort of decision to start a business. Was it love at first sight? Did you know that you complemented each other or... What was that with your rucksacks on? Uh, tell me, Alex, what was your feeling there? Uh, I would 100% not be able to even launch Dash without Jack. And some of the days that you have before launch, as, as you know, Holly, you get really, really low moments. And obviously throughout the journey mm -hmm. when, you, when you've set it up as well. But... Before starting it and not having that proof of concept yet, it's it's even lower. And we had some pretty dark days, especially with the manufacturing of the product for the first time. Some quite dodgy canners <laughs> that we initially used that we never sold any of those cans because they all started <laughs> popping and bursting after about three days when the shelf life was apparently a year and a half. And you just need someone to go for a beer at the end of the yeah. day and just say, well, that was absolutely dreadful. Let's have a break and let's go back at it again tomorrow. But we, along our journey, we we, we came across a Virgin Startup. Mm, well, that was my next question, actually, about, yeah, your experience. Because one of the things is getting exposure, getting money, all these sorts of, getting expertise. So, yeah, tell me about that. So Virgin Startup is a not-for-profit arm of Virgin Group. And... They are absolutely fantastic for taking people on that have good ideas and teaching them the nuts and bolts of a business. Because when you go to uni, I never learn anything about setting up a business, even though I read economics. And Virgin give you all the tools to be able to do that. And also the confidence as well by giving you a great mentor. We had a guy called Ben Keane who had set up lots of businesses before. Very inspiring chap. And it's there that we really were able to put the product and ourselves out there, which we were quite afraid to do so in the first place because Jack and I, as perfectionists, we wanted to make sure the brand looked amazing before we actually uh, would get going. But we were taught a model by uh, Eric Ries, which is a book called The Lean Startup, which is to put a basic minimum viable product together get it out on the market, test it, get feedback, then iterate, and then go again. And that's what we did with the samplings around parks, testing it with friends, family, and really putting ourselves out there. It's then that we collected all of that data and produced the brand that we've got today. How did you feel, Jack, Alex, how did you feel with this minimum viable product sort of nonsense to us perfectionists you know it's it's a, it's a difficult one isn't it because it's you know what, what are you saying my minimal viable product is the best it can be I'm not putting anything else out there tell me about that sort of that feeling because I can imagine that's hard with something that tastes yeah it is it is really difficult I think especially in food and drink because you have to strike the balance I think you do get one opportunity to launch, mm. but I think w what we were keen to do is to get something to talk about, but we weren't necessarily that minimal viable product. We weren't necessarily going to launch into store, but we were going to be taking into buyers meeting, bringing people along the journey, tasting it out with friends and family, as Alex said. But there was that really important stage of creating something that wasn't as perfect before. Um, which was really, really important to bring people along the journey. Each week, I'm joined by our wonderful partners at Dell Technologies. They are passionate supporters of small businesses right across the UK through their free resources, but also their networks like Dwen, Dell Women's Entrepreneur Network, championing female founders and helping them thrive. So this week, they're giving away their ad break to a brilliant female founder to share her story and more about her small business. Hello, lovely people. My name is Kimmy from Self Care Company Nourish Northern Mamas. 
back in 2018, I took the brave and bold step to start my own business with help and support from the Prince's Trust. I just had my little boy and I decided I wanted to go in a new direction and focus on my well-being. Here we are nearly four years later, doing vision board workshops, our monthly self-care journal club and sending out happy posts across the UK with our well-being gift packages. This is your time and your reminder now to roll your shoulders back, take a deep breath in, let it go and remember to do something lovely for yourself this week. Often we write to-do lists and we don't put anything to do with ourselves on that list. (laughs) We're often running after family, we're thinking about jobs, things we need to do, but let's make ourselves a priority. My mission for our self-care community is to really teach people how to take the time out that they deserve through our creative wellbeing sessions and lovely mindful journaling gifts and programs. So if you're interested, it would be lovely to connect, to collaborate. Just come and say hi on social media at Nourish Northern Mamas or check out and subscribe to our website, nourishnorthernmamas.com. To find out more about Dwen and how to sign up, head to dwen.com. Now, back to our conversation of inspiration. I'm obviously obsessed by retail and there's a lot of retail out there and I'm, you know, obsessed by quite a few things. But, you know, if I was thinking about the soft drinks market and I think about those listening and they say it's saturated you know, what is different about my idea? Now, you, you're going in with your water up against the likes of your Coca-Colas and San Pellegrino and all of these sorts of things. What gave you that courage to potentially not with the same marketing budgets, go after them? A lot of naivety. Great. <laughs> no, I think we. Um, it is. It's true, though, isn't yeah, it? The most magical we, thing. It, it really. I'd like is, a naivety yeah. pill now and again, <laughs> and then I would just go and do things, and you just wouldn't even. Do you know what I mean? It's the. It's a blessing, an absolute blessing, and it's a curse when we know too much. I think. But carry on. Sorry. It certainly is, and we set up Dash at the age of twenty-four, and so we had that naivety of of youth, and. I remember when we, we first initially produced our batch of 200,000 cans, which, by the way, was the lowest our manufacturer could produce. And thinking, when we looked up at the sea of cans around us, wow, how are we going to be able to sell these within the shelf life of a 18-month period? But the initial backing that we got from a retailer was Selfridges, who are still great supporters of our wonky mission today. And they took on the products. And Jack and I, we sampled in-store ourselves every day for, what was it, three weeks? And (laughs) tried to just persuade onlookers to come over here come and try some of this did you just like crack open water. one and say oh my goodness oh this <laughs> tastes absolutely delicious and the, the checkout people would be like it's those two weirdo guys again they're just drinking dashes in store we still do that today <laughs> do you I, I, I still get my wife to do it as well <laughs> but it's absolutely key you, you've got to have that tenacity to just grab someone come over here come and try this leave that artificially filled beverage that you usually pick up every day and it's been well worth it. Yeah, and I can imagine, I mean, when when you think about it, there are other brands, aren't there, out there? When you think, Jack, about your industry and all of us can think about our industry, there are these just brands that make us feel something or prompt us to do something differently. You know, I think about... San Pellegrino, for me, it's a holiday. You know, that is that moment I open a holiday. So that's that feeling. I was a Diet Coke lover, definitely. Mm. Not anymore, as you both know. I've bored you with that. Or Brewdog, how they took those things and they you looked at actually participation of the community and how it got behind it. Was that in your mind? Were those things in your mind about Dash? It's so funny that you mention those three brands. They were 
all front and center of the creation of Dash with a few more. I think that the square bottle of Fiji and how that makes you feel when you have it on your desk, the way Innocent does business, Mm. the good that it brings to sustainability, how they treat their people. And BrewDog in terms of being great PR, um, marketing um, geniuses and having real conviction of, you know, what, what you stand for. And I think that was a really, really important exercise for us to talk through with, you know, the design team and when we were coming up with, with the brand and bringing out those different qualities. And so hopefully Dash is unique, um, of course, but will have certain attributes that come from being inspired by you know, these amazing food and drink mm. businesses out of, out of the UK. Mm. And I, I remember leaving a, a voice note talking about when I first discovered you and actually have not talk, spoken to the founders of Fever Tree, but I had uh, Sipsmith, for instance. And when we talked about someone like Fever Tree and Sipsmith and what they did, you know, they went out into the gin market and created something that felt like I was buying, oh, I could go and visit their um, gin factory and actually see where the gin is produced. And I, so I felt like I was buying something that wasn't manufactured. Um, if I think about Fever Tree and then you think about what they did, the fact that we look back and we think, was it only Schweppes forever? Did no one ever think that maybe as gin and tonic is one of the drinks of our nation, that we needed another tonic water? And I love this idea when coming to yourselves that that is what you did. You did exactly the same thing. I mean, I wouldn't have even thought about someone creating a new fizzy water. It wasn't even, do you know what I mean? It's exactly the same as tonic water. It's just an add-on. It's not something that's, something that we concentrated on until you get brands like yourself. And I hope everyone listening is getting inspired by this because it just takes someone to have the idea to say, we're going to rip up the rule book to then produce and present us as consumers with something that you think, oh, how old-fashioned was that? I can't believe we used to drink it. Yeah, no, definitely. And I hope in in 10 years' time, people will be looking back and thinking, what the hell are we doing consuming sweetness in our minds? And we have, you know, created a, a product that tastes as good or better in in our minds and looks and fulfills that moment that people want when they're having a a, a soft drink. So it was a simple idea and we saw a real sort of opportunity in the UK to create something to give that, you know, people that healthier alternative. But we've got a long, long way to go. And that's the beauty of being in soft drinks. It's it's a huge, huge category. Yes. And we're, you know, so, so excited to really sort of, you know, we've just just started. Just started. Trying, yeah. In in yeah. the world. You you uh, I was uh, Alex talking about sort of the the only drink now that you would crack open in ten years time over our alternatives. And I have um said that I used to drink Diet Coke all the time until I got onto Dash. And now we do not have another, except for full fat Coke for hangover, which my husband has to have. (laughs) We don't have any Diet Coke in the house ever. So we don't even, we used to have Dash and maybe one now and again. We, Harry and I just do not drink it. That all we do is have Dash days, we call them. So tell me, being more health conscious, and that's definitely something I'm super happy that Harry at 18, he just doesn't drink Coca-Cola. He doesn't drink any fizzy drink except fizzy water. He doesn't even look at it as fizzy water, though. He just looks at it as a drink. You brought seltzer, the category. It's not something that was here in the UK. Am I right in saying that? What is seltzer? And is consumer habits changing in this area? And is it found in other things as food as much as drinks? Definitely. I think that the changing of consumers' palates is evolving day by day and very, very rapidly. So what you were just explaining there from a personal perspective of previously drinking sweetened soft drinks, but now that you've tried unsweet soft drinks and the same as for for food as well, your 
well, one's palate matures and one doesn't need to crave the same sweetness mm. because there is a great tasting alternative that doesn't have the same sugar or sweeteners in it. So that gradual evolution of consumers' palates has certainly been pretty quick since 2017 when we launched, specifically on seltzers. So um, a seltzer is uh, flavoured sparkling water without sugar or sweetener. Ah. Thank and you for clearing that up. I just didn't know what it was. I was thinking, is it a white powder? Is it right? It's seltzer is a fizzy water without sugar or sweetener. Exactly without yes. water. Okay. And so this category started in the US. The, the interesting thing that Jack and I had was when we first started to create Dash, which is just chopping up wonky fruit, putting it into spring water. We we did this because people were already doing it at home. So you would get a yes a water bottle. You would put spiralized cucumber in there and people doing that at the gym or at home and we thought okay great well let's just make a, a, a ready to drink version and put it in a sustainably made can and, uh, and you're away and then we looked over to the US where a lot of these food and beverage trends start and we saw there was this huge category 2.15 billion of seltzers and some huge brands over there that no one in the UK has ever heard of and that really was some great positive affirmation that what we were doing was a good idea because we weren't the only people in the world doing it. We were just the first people in Europe that was doing it, but there were loads of people doing it across the pond. So that gave us a huge amount of confidence uh, and backing for the retailers as well. Tell me why it gives you confidence. So someone might be thinking, why did that give you confidence? Because it felt like a lot of people were doing it in America. Was it that you thought, well, Europe and the UK are pretty big as well? You know, if we were able, why does it give you confidence when lots of other people are doing something? It means that you're not quite as mad. We didn't think that when, <laughs> when other people were, were drinking it across the pond. And I think it was key for the retailers. I remember when, when we went into a retailer that I, I won't name and we brought in our first products and the, the buyer there, she said, okay, well, what is Dash? And, you know, we had this beautiful presentation and we said, Dash, it's flavoured sparkling water without sugar or sweetener and it's infused with bonky fruit. And the buyer said, well, it's not going to taste of anything if it doesn't have any sugar or sweetener. And what the hell is wonky fruit? Get out the door. <laughs> so really, then yeah. being able to rely on credible data from a market like the US, which says huge category, sells extremely well. That gave us more credibility when we were going into those kind of meetings. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And um, they'll be sorry, hey, we have a box. Um, when anyone says things like that, and you, you're not trying to be rude, but we put them in the you'll be sorry box. And then you just come back to them, you know, later on down the line. And it's, it's quite satisfying. <laughs> Jack, you previously said that you believe that marketing is about doing less. Tell me what you mean by that, because I think that's fascinating. Well, I'm no no expert um, in in marketing, but I think it comes back to you know our key value at Dash, which is to simplify. As we've talked about, we're very lucky with our proposition. It's very simple, and I think for us as a small business and brand, it's really important that we are able to educate people on what our product is and to not overcomplicate things. So I think in the early years, we were very keen as a team and as a marketing team to keep hammering the, the same message across to consumers. So for us in the early days, the wonky fruit was an important message for us to get our foot in the door, to talk about our story, how our product is made. I think over time, the no sugar and no sweetener has become more prominent mm -hmm. for educating a larger group of people of why to switch. The advice that I've been given by people, you know, great marketeers, we have someone called Dan Germain, who's the marketing director of uh, Innocent for 20 years. And one of the first uh, meetings that we had with Alex and I, he was very kindly led us into the Innocent Powers. And he said, just keep banging that same drum over and over again because it may get boring for you but you've got to remember that it won't be boring 
for them. Absolutely. It's really interesting, isn't it? I think that's part of it. If you're a founder-led business, you want to change things up because actually (laughs) you're talking about the same thing over and over and over again. But when you see how big that industry is or the market is and how you're not at 100% penetration, then actually you know, you just got to. And I think that's that's a really interesting thing. That's your view on sort of the holistic approach to marketing. But then what's your viewpoints on being a startup brand? One of the things that we're talking about in my community is how difficult it is on social media nowadays compared to how it was, the algorithm, um, looking at actually getting your voice out, you know, traditional marketing, you know, back in the days when I used to work in advertising, when I was 18, you know, it was, TV, magazines, radio. That was it. That's all you had to sort of work with or putting your ad in in cinema screens. How are you looking at all of that as a young company? You're not looking to burn money. At the same time, you've got to probably have huge growth in your awareness. Yeah, I think what was really key for us in the early days was, was creating a moment for Dash. You know, where would we want people to first come across Dash? And that's you know, Alex and I focused on the early days of getting it into the coolest coffee shops across London. We'd much prefer someone to come across Dash in a trendy coffee shop in Shoreditch rather than a meal deal mm-hmm. in Boots. Yep. Brand association is so key for you to build that brand equity to, to as a starting point. I think that alongside that, getting the right people to talk about your brand who are authentic, who genuinely have influence over your key audience is a great thing to concentrate on. And it was a little bit easier six years ago because Alex and I could reach out to these people um, who we admired and thought would quite like our product, send a load. And Holly, you're you're definitely one of these people. I was um, one of these people. <laughs> I got this whole lot of fizzy water. I was like, I just don't drink fizzy water. But I mean, I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> now I'm a five cans a day dash girl. That's what I am. Yeah. <laughs> so you've converted me. Love. So that was a good thing you did there. We were able to get people posting on their stories and quite a lot and the right sort of people for us to sort of slowly start building this momentum. And then the availability started coming and we were able to back that up by getting people to talk about it online. And then, of course, there were other other channels like traditional PR events sampling. So we did build Dash in quite you know, a traditional way. I think if you were to start it again today, you, you would have to look at it slightly differently. But Alex and I's experience was building through distribution and we wanted to build in in the correct channels to begin with and not just sort of spray and pray. Mm. It was it was very focused at the beginning to build that brand equity. Was this a conscious move in terms of you wanted to take it step by step? Because obviously you might have had distribution issues, you know, starting up, et cetera, et cetera. So you couldn't explode right at the beginning. I think that there's an, an element that we always want to get on the gas quickly, don't we? When we launch something, we it's just, you know, let's go. But actually, I, I think about when I launched Not in the High Street, when we had like two orders a day, hello, taking 10%, just wasn't great days. But... The difference was, is that we only took on businesses that we believed would sell, even though we were not affording to pay ourselves for two years. It was a nightmare in terms of cash. And we could have taken on more businesses onto our marketplace, but we knew that it would damage the brand. And I think over the years, it paid back dividends you know, the correct cultivation of the brand, because actually it meant that you attracted a certain type of customer, maybe a loyaler customer, right from the offset. Was that your thoughts? Exactly. Yes. We we wanted to make sure that, as as Jack mentioned, that the right people were picking up the cans in, in the right stores. And being in the right stores like Soho House or Whole Foods, for example, you would get that brand affiliation and it would mean that instead of it being sold in a random store in in the middle of nowhere that you pick up and you would not have that uh, that positive thought that you mentioned which you have with your San Pellegrino for example it reminds you of a holiday Mm -hmm. one thing we, we do at Dash is the export markets that we sell to 
we want to uh, export to areas of a country, so let's say south of France or the Mediterranean, where UK consumers would go on holiday because hopefully they would see Dash in their meal deal in the UK. They would also see it online in the UK and then they would go abroad in the south of France and they would see a can in, in you know, a, a beautiful boutique store in, by the sea, crack open a can and, and they would think, oh, well, this reminds me of holiday mm. when they come back to the UK. So it's, it's so psychological and it's very intentional the way that we have built the brand over time. You just mentioned Whole Foods there. Is it right that you actually camped outside Whole Foods <laughs> to get that deal? I didn't think the story would come up. but um, I think it's a great part of the story. It's a fun you one. You know, if you want something, this is all about it. If you want it as a founder <laughs> and you want to go and do something, then get your tent out and camp. <laughs> so now we're here. We, we couldn't, by love or money, get through to the Whole Foods team, and Dash was selling so well in every store that was similar to Whole Foods. It was the best-selling soft drink in other retailers like Planner Organic, as nature intended, all these great boutique stores. And we couldn't, by love and all money, get through. And so I camped out and then got into the offices when they opened at 6 a.m. in the morning. I then sat in the reception, managing to avoid questions from the receptionist for about two and a half, three hours, uh, saying that I was waiting for, uh, I had a meeting at nine, and I was waiting, praying that our buyer would come in that day. Unfortunately, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't come in that day. She was working from home. But luckily, the assistant buyer came up to me and said, what the hell are you doing here? And by just the smallest of chances, I said, look, we really want to chat. Can I just have one minute? And he said, you've got one minute. The time starts now. And I sat him down and I said, opened up with, how are you doing? What's high up on your agenda? It's just so you, we're always trying to get that one bit of information as, as, as an initial uh, opener first. And he said, well, I've actually got a really busy day, day today because we are looking at our Valentine's Day range, which is all about pink. And uh, we're trying to assemble pink brands. Oh, I can and I see said, what's coming. You know what? This is absolutely perfect. I'm glad that I've camped outside your door because we are launching a new pink raspberry can and it needs to go into this range. And he said, he rolled his eyeballs <laughs> and took the can and said, okay, let me have a look into it. Called me up the next day and said, how many cans have you got? We'd love to launch it for Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, it's such a good story. It's such a great entrepreneurial story. I mean, it's such a lesson, isn't it, for all of us that that belief you had, that the, the fact you were able to be cheeky or just to make him smile, even if he eyeball rolls at you, and now no doubt it um, sells very well. And again, you'd be like, well, you can thank me. Each week, I hand over this moment to our partners at Avon. Over the past few months, I've been working closely with Avon reps, supporting them on their personal and business journeys. I'm constantly amazed by not only Avon's work and impact, but the resilience, grit and determination of each and every single Avon rep that I'm lucky enough to speak to day in and day out. They really are an amazing group of women and it's truly humbling to be part of their individual journeys. So with that in mind, for the rest of this series, I'll be handing over this ad break to some of them to share their own unique stories with you. Hi, my name's Louise Fox and I've been an Avon representative for just under four years. When I joined, I was super busy as at that time I worked full time and I also have three beautiful children. 
I joined because I love all of the products. The fact that the products themselves are superb quality with innovative skincare for amazing prices. And I also love helping other women to feel good about themselves too. I was so proud that in 2020, I sold over 36,000 of Avon products doing this just part-time. And I also achieved a trip of a lifetime to Mauritius. Devastatingly, in 2021, my middle child, who was then 12, developed a non-curable brain tumour. And he really sadly passed away in April 2022. Our whole family's heartbroken. And whilst he was poorly, obviously everything went on hold. But that's the beauty of this business is that it's fully flexible. I'm slowly building my new life around my loss and I've returned to my day job part-time now. I'm loving being able to pick back up my side hustle as an Avon rep as well. It's given me something positive to focus on and feel good about myself for. If you'd like to find out more about our partnership or how you too could go on your own business adventure as an Avon rep, head to holly.co forward slash Avon. Now, let's get back to our conversation of inspiration. Your values, we were going back to the beginning of this podcast, are so important and same here. And what I think is actually going to be the best brands of the future are those that you can scratch and actually either such as yourselves, it's simplicity and it's pure and it's caring. But I don't think, you know, some of the things that we're going to see maybe in 10 years time, you're not going to see that vacuousness that we have today or the fact that it's just household names. I don't think that's going to last anymore. These values that you have, do you think it's almost like your roadmap for the future? I mean, obviously, you've got this huge market within the fizzy water drinks arena and and space, but you've got two core values. Tell me about them. Yeah, so I think the values... 100% 100% it's what what we have up on the wall it's what the team live and die by so one of them is we're creative so the way in which you know we we are creative in taking that wonky fruit and making our drinks and that's at the heart of, of that but also we want to do things differently that the way that we run our business the way that we treat people the way that we do um, some campaigns and then the second one is tenacious and you have to be so, so tenacious. And Alex's story there is just like right at the heart of that. And you'll know Holly more than anyone that, you know, starting a business, having that tenacity day after day is so important to get you through those early stages. And it's something that we want to instill in everyone that joins the team now at Dash and they can't lose that entrepreneurial tenacity um, because I feel that's when we, you know, lose our, our entrepreneurial spirit. And the entrepreneurial spirit is, is, is one of the things I just think if we, you know, if we had a sort of, I, I call it the life force of businesses, you know, it always came from my son is a great Star Wars fan and you know you have that sort of thing that they would hold and it's you can't really see it it's all speckly and it's like an energy ball you know and I always talk about the life force of a company and in that life force is tenacity is entrepreneurial spirit it's not taking no for an answer you know these are parts of that DNA that will never ever change and actually 20 years on it's still my daily currency you know because actually everything you deal with today from a six-year-old business to a 16-year-old business, it's just different issues. But it's almost like that magic life force is the thing you, as a founder, I think it's the thing, it's your responsibility to keep that alive. You know, in a way, everyone, the dark forces, Darth Vader will come and try and take out your life force. You know, (laughs) whoever you bring into your business, you've got to be careful because they can also dampen the life force. And it's, I think, the founder's responsibility to hold this ball of energy and just have it forevermore, just protecting it. So I was reading truly shocking statistics when researching this podcast and that up to 40% of fruit and veg grown in the UK is going to waste. And this could just be because it's squashed or doesn't look very pretty or it's broken. And I know Obviously, wonky fruit is the core element of what you do and that this is really, really important to you. And it must be having real effects on local producers by you supporting 
these misshaped, lovely fruit and veg. Um, are they happy that you exist? Yeah, one of the... I always remember going to see our cucumber farmer in the Lee Valley, where most of the cucumbers are grown in the in the UK, and they call them sticks. They call the cucumbers sticks, and grade ones and twos would go to M&S and Waitrose for for Lee in the Lee Valley, and grade threes and fours he didn't have a secondary market for, and those were the ones that were overweight when graded. They were had grown in a funny way because uh, they'd grown round the fence that they were they were growing on, or would have slight blemishes. So what we were able to do is take those lower grade cucumbers, which were at risk of going to waste, and give Lee that secondary market, which he didn't have a market for. So I think it's really important that we're giving a, a larger secondary market for that lower grade fruit. But also, as we grow as a brand, is to shine a real light on those huge, very scary statistics that you talk about, Holly. So mm. up to 40% of fruit and veg that's meant to be grown for human consumption doesn't reach our plates. And what we want to do at Dash is to really shine a light on those issues. It's actually staggering. It's disgusting, isn't it, when you think about it? It's it's all these facts. We had an amazing Kitty on um, last week who is breducating the nation. And we spoke about, you know, the bread that we buy in our supermarkets and, and the fact that um, it proves in your stomach. Um, and that's 95% of all bread that we would buy naturally if it wasn't freshly baked. And then you think about this podcast highlighting 40% of uh, food meant, you know, grown does not get to us. And the fact that it can just be because it's an ugly cucumber is an incredible thing because I don't think that our culture highlights these things. I think that there is powers that are afoot that keeps all of this sort of information quite quiet. And it really needs companies like you to just to, to educate us in this why you've become a B Corp, I'm assuming. And as a fellow B Corp, I'm always going to shout out for guests on this podcast that are a B Corp because it's not easy to become a B Corp, as you know. What was the journey like for you? Becoming a B Corp was not a straightforward one because as a tiny team that doesn't have a so-called sustainability manager, we had to just muck in, roll up our sleeves and do it all ourselves, which is exactly what we do today. So... As you mentioned, it's, it's very hard to get the B Corp accreditation. And for people that don't know about B Corps, B Corps are uh, businesses that have the highest form of sustainable credentials. And you have to go through a very rigorous test in order to get the certification. Only two and a half percent of businesses that apply for becoming a B Corp actually get the accreditation. I did not know that. This is great news. <laughs> it's a good start, that. It's a great start. I'm, do you mind if I have that stat? Please do. Please do. Please, I mean, no wonder it was so hard. And why we like it to be hard, because actually it matters. I clicked open my dash as well, Jack. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good sound uh, for this podcast, but it shouldn't be easy. And they actually make it, don't they, harder and harder every year to apply for that very reason. They certainly do. And at Dash, we, as a team, we collectively are split into groups. And the whole process for us to initially get an accreditation took about two years. We're going through our recertification process at the moment, and the whole team is at it again. It's a nail-biting period of time, isn't it? We're coming towards the end of this podcast. I just want to ask, as relatively, you know, a six-year-old brand, you've accomplished so much. You've dealt with Brexit, which I just cannot imagine. You've dealt with a global pandemic. Uh, you're already exporting to 20 markets. You've saved tons and tons of wonky fruit and veg, and we're deliciously consuming it. What are your plans for the future? In, in the future going forward, we want to be able to offer consumers a great tasting drink. So coming up this year, more markets, Brexit's been a, a, real, a real pain. Um, but we've got some great European markets that we're launching into this year. We've just released our delicious new lime flavour uh, that Jack was cracking into a moment ago. <laughs> and uh, the marketing team probably won't like me saying this, but we have a new limited edition flavour that comes out 
later on this summer as well that it tastes absolutely incredible. So we've got a lot of fantastic things of growing the brand globally, new flavors on a sustainability level as well. We, we're partnering with the Felix Project later on this summer, who are an amazing food waste charity. To date, we have donated uh, or bought over 150,000 meals, and we want to do the same again this year for those that need it most around the UK. So lots of great stuff going on at Wonky HQ. It's just absolutely brilliant. And I've so enjoyed this. I think it goes right back. I can't even remember when I got that box or I heard about it. I can't remember when that was. It was uh, a while ago. But I've really, really wanted to talk to you both because I feel that this is, um, I just love great brands. And I like great founders who've got vision that's, you know, huge visions, but are also doing good. You know, they're going to build a great brand, but it ultimately is part of this group of people, I think, that are on this podcast who want to do good. I end all my interviews with this analogy of the epic roller coaster. Um, and so if you can imagine you both sitting in a cart, holding on to each other for dear life, um, up and down, I'm sure, I'm sure you've done that, maybe with a beer in hand. What would you say um, to both of you has been one of your biggest lows in this journey with Dash? I was thinking about this earlier this morning and I think it's probably the founder's mindset that you don't have too many things that you're sort of disappointed or get down about and you always keep moving forward. But I think there was one of these moments, um, Holly, that you were talking about where someone, we, as I talked about with coffee shops, we were trying to get into the best coffee shops around town. And there was this new fancy coffee shop that had just opened up on the corner of where my flat was. And I went in and did the normal stuff, left some cold samples, came back the next day, asked for the manager, no one was there, came back the next day and the manager was there. And he sat me down and he said, what you're doing is rubbish. It tastes crap. It's not what people want. And I didn't let him finish too much or get into me too much before I was out the door. But I thought that that was a particular moment, which was like, wow, okay, that's, that's quite something. <laughs> but again, you're able to shrug those moments off because of, you know, what, you know, that, that tenacity or that arrogance or that naivety yeah. of that your product is great and lots of people are going to enjoy it. So that was definitely a, a bit of a low moment being chased. I mean, what a moment to take a founder, take their product and ask to sit them down and just berate their dreams right there and then. I mean, that guy must have definitely got out the wrong side mm. of the bed that day. And what would you say to you, Alex? What would be a low? covid when it came around in March 2020, we had 65% of our total sales were pubs, bars, restaurants, coffee shops and export. And overnight, that just went into hibernation mode. And I remember chatting to Jack that evening, just thinking, how the hell are we going to be able to get through this? I think luckily at that time, we had a amazing team who were just living and breathing the dash values and jack mentioned earlier that creativity value and we creatively found a way to get around this huge obstacle and that was just exploding our online sales mm -hmm. and that channel and fortunately we, we were pretty good online before covid came around we had a good subscription service we had a great website we had a great offering and the people on the team who were working in the channels that went into hibernation mode, next day into online, making that absolutely supercharged. And that saw us to doubling the business that year. Oh, my goodness. And then you had to hold on to your roller coaster from what was a low became an extreme high. So would you say then, Alex, would that be your high? Or is there another high that you would say you've had? I think that was... A very when we came to the end of that COVID period, which was obviously relatively stop start in terms of coming out of lockdown, going back into lockdown, that was a period that I think we would definitely have the most satisfaction of being able to overcome that. Um, I think one of the other most satisfying moments as well that we had was we, as I said, we, we manufacture in Australia. We manufactured 
in Australia through COVID without being able to get out to that market. And so we had Woolworths, which is the largest supermarket in Australia. We, we manufactured the product having never met our farmers, never met the manufacturers, never meeting our back office and finance supply chain team, never met the retailers. And we produced the product. It went on the Woolworth shelves 10 days later. And us in the UK, we received samples three weeks after that, after it hadn't been retailed oh for that amount of time. And when we tried the product for the first time, <laughs> I think I was more nervous than any other periods throughout Dash. Are they going to taste good? Because people have been buying these for the last three weeks yes. in supermarkets around Australia. So fingers crossed. And it did. They tasted delicious. Oh, thank goodness for that. Unbelievable. And Jack? Yeah, there's been so many moments. We've talked about a few of them, you know, getting that first listing into retail, going to visit the cucumber farmers and understanding the issue of food waste. But I think for me, it's it's now, you know, recently where we have this really exciting, small but growing business and we have an amazing team and it's just walking into our new office and everyone working on this mission. It feels like we are creating something really special. And I get that when I walk into our office. Every day. Every day. Yeah, yeah. I I empathise with that. It's an amazing feeling. You had a dream and now there's an entire, you know, wonky HQ full of Mm. amazing people who now are on on board with your dream. It's just been a wonderful moment to talk to you both as your number one Dash fan here. Can I ask you both if I can hand over? You've both written letters to your younger self. I don't know who would like to go first, but I am really looking forward to hearing them. You go first, mate. Cool. Dear younger me, first off, it's important to say Don't worry if sometimes you find life complicated or hard. As I sit here 20 years later, it's still very much work in progress. But learn how to embrace it, sharing what you're going through with others. And always remember what your beautiful, caring mum says. It will feel better in the morning after a good night's sleep. As I write this, I want you to know you'll meet a very special person in Alex, a friend and a business partner. This will shape the course of your life. Together with your amazing team, you will create something wonderful. This through hard work and doing business the way you think is right. But remember, success is not solely defined by the destination. It's the journey where true magic lies. Those moments spent at the kitchen table with Alex, dreaming, planning and creating are some of the most joyous and fulfilling. Cherish them, embrace them. They are the heart and soul of your entrepreneurial adventure. Confidence is your secret weapon. Have faith in your creativity, in your vision, and in the unique value you bring to the world. Don't be afraid to speak up, to share your perspective, and stay firmly in your beliefs. Your confidence will inspire others and pave the way for countless opportunities. Stay curious and embrace the way you see the world. Lastly, make sure you appreciate the people that support you and understand you. These are the people that will pick you up when things are not going so well. So trust in yourself and embrace the present. Good luck, Jack. Thank you, Jack. Thank you so much for sharing that. And Alex, can I hand over to you? Absolutely. Dear younger Alex, I hope this letter finds you full of energy and excitement for the road ahead. Don't get too bogged down by the throes of school exams and making an early impression. Challenges have a way of resolving themselves if you use a combination of persistence and charm. So don't lose heart and remember, you make your own luck. Don't regret a thing in younger life, although perhaps when betting your pocket money on Thierry Henry not leaving Arsenal to Barcelona in 2007, it's best to skip that one. First and foremost, believe in yourself. Trust the fact that people will develop an understanding about food waste, even though in 2016 no one is talking about the issue. Same too goes for sweeteners. Although you and Jack believe it's a dangerous ingredient, it will take until 2023 for the World Health Organization to finally validate your claim. The journey ahead you're going to take is an extraordinary one that is best not to listen to the naysayers who put what you're doing down 
You're about to meet what will be a great mate of yours, Jack, and go on a mission together, invigorating an extraordinary soft drinks category to a world that does not yet know how much it wants and loves it yet. It's here that you're going to develop a view on life that you would have never imagined. You and Jack have a wonky vision that is unique and compelling, so forget the people that scrunch up their face when first sampling the initial dash flavours in parks around London. That ginger and lemongrass flavour was a good experiment, but there will be more delicious flavours that you'll develop along the way to reach you selling 50 million cans in your first six years of dash. Seek out mentors and learn from their experiences. There will be moments when you feel overwhelmed and unsure of the next step, but they will support and grow your skills to overcome everything that is put in front of you. And lastly, you'll get more of a kick out of seeing your team grow than seeing your brand in all four corners of the globe, even though that is pretty epic. Surround yourselves with people that you love, empowering them early on to make sure you celebrate each milestone you reach. And remember, life will go quickly. Therefore, strike that correct balance of enjoying times with friends, growing your family with your future gorgeous wife, Rosie, and baby Ella, who, as I write, is 10 weeks old. So, it'll be a hell of a ride. But regret nothing. Stay positive. Love living in the moment. Learn every day. And remember to keep that persistence and charm front and centre. Much love, Alex. Oh, thank you so much. You know, I've got a feeling that you might be one of my revisited in like five, six, seven years time. And we're going to go back and we're going to play clips from this this podcast. And you'll obviously not have a 10 week old uh, at that point in time, Alex, and we'll have much more sleep potentially than you do right now. And Jack, thank you. Thank you both for really giving us an insight and reminding us into what it takes to be a founder and an entrepreneur and that mindset. And I really do wish you so much luck. And I and I love that you're a great example for all of us with uh, everything that we care about. So good luck with everything. Thanks so much, Holly. Really appreciate coming on the show. So thank you. Thank you, Holly. You're very thank welcome. You. You're very welcome. If you've enjoyed this episode, if it's helped you along your journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support means the world to me. It really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. And if you want to hear all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co. Holly.co.